Welcome folks to another episode of That Anita Live, emotional healing to help you create a happier life. I'm Anita, your host, and this week we're discussing overcoming health trauma. My guest today received devastating news and made back-to-back life-altering decisions. She's a woman of great strength and courage, and she's here today to encourage women to be responsible with their health. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. All the way down to do this interview now, <laughs> August 2015, you received devastating news. Mm-hmm. How did you discover that it was breast cancer? Did you discover alone or was it in the doctor's office? I discovered through a routine mammogram that I had breast cancer. I had no lump. I had any inkling that something was wrong with my breast. It was only discovered through a routine mammogram. So you went in for the routine mammogram. You don't get the results there. Right. You get the phone call, and do they ask you to come back for more testing, or? They asked me to come back for some more testing, which I did, and that's when I got the phone call after the test came back that I had breast cancer. Wow. That, that I had breast cancer, that I entered into the Pink Sister community. What crossed your mind? How did, how did that hit you? emotionally? I was shocked and the reason why I was shocked because because I got my routine mammogram I didn't think that I can get breast cancer and then also there was no history of breast cancer in my family so I'm like how could I get breast cancer? So, so you were the first? I'm the first. In your family? In my family. To get any form of breast cancer? Yes. And how old were you? I was 54. Wow. 54. So- So, where were you when you received the news? I was in the car with my daughter and her friend on a summer day when the nurse called me to tell me that I had breast cancer. And when she told me, you know, everybody in the car heard me say breast cancer and they asked me a lot of questions, but I wouldn't answer the question. I just wanted to go about my day normally Mm -hmm. as I could, but when I got home, that's when I broke down. That's when I broke down, you know, I'm like, wow, I have breast cancer. So was your daughter there with you? Though her friends were not, was your daughter there with you? Yes, she was. Yes, she was. She said, Ma, why are you crying? No, I, I, I think my daughter knew not to ask me any questions at that time. Um, she just gave me my space. And then I was able to, after I came to myself and pulled myself together, I was able to tell her you know, fully what the nurse had said. And even then she didn't cry. So, <laughs> you and that apple meat tree, tree meat apple, that, that, that strength and that courage, you had it and it's in your daughter too. Yes, yes, yes it is. Yes, she did not cry. All she said was mine is going to be all right. What was the next decision you needed to make? I needed to make what type of treatment plan that I was going to take. Um, I could have gotten the surgery where they just removed the disease and, and kept my breasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I had got the MRI from the second opinion doctor where the cancer was at another location, I decided to get a double mastectomy. I didn't want to go through the six hours of radiation. I've seen pictures where people's skins are burned and all of that. And so being that it was two spots, I thought about my grandkids, my children, and said, you know what, let me just go get a double mastectomy because I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about, you know, whether or not it's going to come back or not. And so I opted to get one. How long did it take you to come to that decision? After they told me that they found another spot, 
I made the decision right then. Really? I made it right there on the spot. They asked me, they said, well, we found another spot and we want you to go get a biopsy. I said, no, I'm not. Schedule the surgery for a double mastectomy because I didn't want to get another biopsy because the first one hurt really bad. And what did the people in the room say? Well, that was your, your response. You know what? They didn't say anything because their job is to go along with what we want. And so they never judge me. They never say, oh, you're making a drastic decision. They didn't say, take some time and think about no, it. No, they didn't. Mm. No, nope. they said, this is what you want. We'll schedule it. And that's what they did for me. They never judged me. Wow. <laughs> I, the, the first biopsy was just, it was just, it hurt it so bad that I just couldn't see myself even subjecting myself to that type of pain again. And, in, and plus I had another spot and like, I don't want to find out what that spot is. I don't want to know what the stage is. So take them off. <laughs> just get rid of them. Then in the next step in the process, you actually go in, have the surgery and. I had the surgery, it was a um, 10 hour surgery. Um, and I came through, I came through all right. Successful surgery, no problems, no complications. It was a success. It was a success on October 19th. I had my double mastectomy. Girl. And I was at peace with my decision too. I was at peace with my decision. That's what made it so much easier mm -hmm. because the peace that I had about the decision that I made. Yes. So I, was, I had to do what I had to do. <laughs> because you also coded blue. Yes. Now did you code blue with the double mastectomy? With the double, double mastectomy, but it was not on the operating table. Okay. It was in my re, um, so hospital room. So you've gone through the 10 hours. Mm -hmm. They wheeled you back to your room. Fed me real good. Hospital food was real good that time. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason, the hospital food was good that day. Okay. And um, a few hours later, the, the nurse came in and asked me to um, sit up to take my vitals. And that's all I remember. I don't remember anything else until I came through and I saw. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if, with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true, authentic self? It is possible, and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy shares how to resolve emotional baggage and feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. All these doctors and nurses, and my first question was, why are you in my room? And they began to tell me, you coded. You wasn't breathing. Um, your heart stopped beating. You actually died. You actually died. And to this day, they don't know what caused it, but I died. And I wound up getting two blood transfusions and staying in the hospital longer than a person would who was going through I, what I went through have stayed in the hospital. So yes, I died on that day. Didn't die on the operating table, but died hours later. How long were you out? 
You know what? I never asked him that question. And that's a good question. I, I think I better, I'm going to call my oncologist and ask, her, how long was I out? Because I think I, I want to know that. Wow. I want to know that. Somebody said to me, did you see a light at the end of the tunnel? No, I don't know. I ain't see no light. <laughs> I ain't see no light. I ain't see nobody saying, come on home or nothing like that. I was gone. You don't, you don't even remember. I don't remember nothing. I don't remember nothing. Girl. I was just gone. So you, you, you get up from the 10-hour surgery, coding blue, recover, and six months later, you make another life-altering decision. Yes. Where you decide to go in and have reconstructive surgery. Yes. Did you decide that during the six months and then schedule it, or was it a pop decision like? No, no, <laughs> no. I thought about it for a minute. I thought about it. I thought about it for a minute. Um, and I decided, you know, I just wanted to have it, not because I felt less than a woman, even though I went through that process um, emotionally, not feeling beautiful, or anything like that. But I just wanted to have it. And then, you know, the kind of surgery that I had was offering me a tubby tuck, and I had a lot of stuff that needed to be removed. So I'm like, let me get two for one, and I, I, I got the, um, the re reconstruction. Okay, now, let's back up a second, because during that six-month period, mm -hmm. when you looked at yourself in the mirror for the very first time, and you saw your scars, mm -hmm. what went through your mind? Oh, I, I didn't like what I saw. I felt like I wasn't a woman anymore. I, I didn't feel beautiful. A person who always had um, high esteem for myself, very confident about my looks. That day, my self-esteem hit very low. My confidence hit very low because I didn't feel beautiful anymore. And so I was, I was devastated about what I saw and I didn't like what I saw. So emotionally, that's when the emotional stuff began to happen in my mind, like, wow. I don't have my breasts, I'm not beautiful, you know. How, how's everybody gonna look at me and view me? So yeah, it, it was rough for the first time, seeing myself flat chested, mm -hmm. you know, and with those scars, it was hard. How did you build back from that? I build back that because of my faith in God and because I had a friend who came to see me um, and um, he took me out and for the very first time, you know, when I went out the first time I had my coat on, but then you know, I started taking my coat off and I felt comfortable because in my mind, I felt like people was talking about me, like, look at that breastless woman. And, you know, and I still had my drains at that time. I still had drains. But as I sat with him and talked with him, the coat came open. I started feeling comfortable again. And then because I'm a woman of faith, you know, I just heard God speak to me and say, you're still beautiful. I still see you the way I always saw you. Nothing has changed. And so when I look at my scars now, I don't look at my scars as being a sign of defeat, but I look at my scars as being a sign of victory because I'm still here. Everybody don't have the story. What would you say to a woman right now who's having to decide whether or not she needs to have the mastectomy or as two of my friends decided to do. They, different forms of cancer, right? but they opted not to get any type of treatment. And they just let nature take its course. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually they did pass away, they right. expired, but I know a lot of people struggle with that decision. Right. What would you say to a woman that is sitting where you sat right now in this very moment? The decision is this. And whatever they decide, as long as they have peace with that decision, 
That's what they go, go with. Even the doctors give you the space to make the decision for your own treatment plan because you have to live with that decision for the rest of your life. And so if you're making a decision to have a mastectomy or not have a mastectomy, that's your decision. And if you're happy with that decision, then go for it. Then go for it. It's all about you. It's all about the women and what they want for their lives. We'll be right back for Melissa's message to those women who do not perform their monthly exams or get their annual mammograms. Welcome to That Anita Live TV on YouTube. Here at That Anita Live, I share episodes about emotional healing to help you create a happier life. How do I do that? Through awareness, education, and most importantly, you, the community. By sharing tips and techniques from real people with real stories of overcoming trauma and abuse to live relentless lives. Hanging out with me, you'll laugh, you'll learn, but most importantly, you'll heal. Never miss a moment. Subscribe to That Anita Live's YouTube channel today. Subscribe via thatanitalive.com forward slash YouTube. We're back with, with this amazing story of strength and courage making the decision to have the double mastectomy, making the decision even after you coded blue mm -hmm. to go back into surgery and have reconstructive surgery. So to a woman who does not perform her monthly exams or who does not get annual mammograms, what would you say? I would say you need, if you're over the age of 40, you should go have an annual mammogram and then do monthly um, breast check after your monthly because early detection saves your life. If they didn't catch my cancer early, I wouldn't be here today. And so the earlier the cancer is found, the greater your survival is. So please check yourself, check your, um, your boobs, whatever you want to call them, check them because you never know. And just in my case, I didn't have a lump. I didn't have any discharge. So if I didn't go and get my mammogram, I would have never knew that anything was wrong with me. And so if you're over the age of 40 that you need to go get it because they say every 19 seconds, a woman will be diagnosed. Every, one out of eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer. And so you have to go get your mammograms and, get, and do monthly self-checks. How would you tell us to get over the fear? Of getting the mammogram? I know it's, it's, it's hard. It's but uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. You, you, don't want to find out that's mm -hmm. where the fear comes from because you think as long as you don't know then you're healthy and you're dealing with it in the best way but but what you don't know can hurt you it can kill you and so if you're somebody that's dealing with fear you have to think about whether or not you want to be here whether you want to keep living because cancer can cancer stay in your body the longer it's in your body the more it can spread Thank God mines didn't spread, spread. It didn't go to my lip nodes or anything like that. But we have to get over, get over that fear about not wanting to check our bodies. This is our body. We got to treat our temple the best way that we can so that we can live healthier lives. And so if you're having fear, you got to get over it. You got to get over it. 
Because everybody has somebody that cares about them that wants to have them around. Now, tell me about embracing our scars. Embracing our scars came about when I learned to embrace my scars. Because I realized if I was a woman that was going through this emotional thing about not having breasts, then other women are too. I, I have spoken to several women that have been survivors for four and five years and still have not accepted their scars. They won't date, they, some, are, some are very depressed. And so embracing our scars came about for me to help other women embrace their scars by sharing my story, by motivating them, empowering them, and let them know that your scars should never be a sign where you should be ashamed of it. You should always look at your, your scars and say, I survived. I survived what was trying to kill me because everybody don't have that story. Just today on Facebook, two pink sisters died. And one was 33 years old. So everybody don't have that story. And so I, the more you can accept your scars, the more peace you'll be. Peace at what, what, what has happened to you and stuff like that. So that's what a brace and scars is, going around just motivating and empower women, not just women, but men, because men can get breast cancer too. Your boys can get breast cancer, your husband, your spouse, it, you know. And so it's not just a woman thing. And so I, that's what I do. I go around motivating people, embrace your scars. It happened. You couldn't do nothing about it. It wasn't your fault. Life just happened. But embrace it. Don't let your scars hold you hostage. Live your life. Was there anything that happened to you during the process that you could say someone else could use to help them embrace their scars and accept life as it is now and then move forward? Well, what I could say what happened for me was the fact that I died. And so my perspective is different. My, my perspective is different. My views are different. And, you know, when you look at life, it's like tomorrow is not promised to you. And so live your life to the best of your ability and not allow anything to keep you down and to keep you hostage, but just live. I'm learning. I have learned to live, laugh, and be happy. I am just... And, it, and it's crazy because I waited till I'm almost like, I'm 56 years old to live my life. And it took dying for me to live my life. Now define that for me. Define living your life. I am enjoying life. I'm not, I, I'm drama free. I don't allow nothing to stress me out. I am living my life like tomorrow will never come, seizing every opportunity that is open to me today because tomorrow might not get here. And so I am doing I'm, I'm in my purpose. I'm, 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 I'm living my purpose now. Just being here is part of my purpose. Being here is a part of my purpose. So I'm just, I'm happy. I'm happy. And I, and I can really say I haven't been this happy in a long time. Haven't been this. And it took me having, being diagnosed with breast cancer to be this happy. And you know what? I'm going to live life on my terms. And if you don't, can't accept who I am today, then I don't need you in my life. So, yes. To prioritize yourself. And exactly. For Melissa as opposed to... For everybody else. Yes. My kids always say, Ma, you need to get out. You need to live your life. Now I'm gone all the time. Like, Ma, won't you slow down? No. I'm living my life. Y'all are grown and I'm living my life now. I've been given a second chance to live and I'm going to take it. What is your most memorable moment of helping somebody else get through their tragedy? 
what was my most memorable moment? That would be our first um, launch that we had. We did a um, six-week breast camping, and there were some women in there um, that have been survivors of breast cancer, and just talking with them and, 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 and inspiring them through my story, it gave them hope that if I can feel this good about what has happened to me and have embraced it, they can too. And so that would be that first line. What if I told you that you could stop the negative tape from playing inside your head? What if with seven simple steps, you could leave the pain of the past behind and live every day as your true authentic self? It is possible and you can do it. The ebook, Seven Simple Steps to Beat Emotional Baggage, How to Become Whole, Healed, Healthy, and Happy, shares how to resolve emotional baggage. And feel free to live true to your own personality, spirit, and character. Transform negative thinking into positive thinking and become equipped to boldly face your past and resolve emotional pain. Get your free copy at thatanitalive.com slash ebook. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was filled with men and women. And we had a survivor. There was a survivor of 19 years. What? Yes, a survivor of 19 years. And there was one woman that her cancer had came back for the second time. And so just being able to talk to her and to minister to her gave her some hope. Gave her some hope. Now... Tell me your most difficult or most trying moment. My most, to tell you the truth, I, I really, I, I really don't, I, I can't tell you that I had a difficult moment because I had accepted early when it happened. I accepted it and I trusted God to get me through this. So I really didn't have any difficult moment. If I can label something, it probably be the time that I couldn't afford my, my lymphedema products because I had got lymphedema and my insurance wasn't a covering it. And so I had to go out without some of the products that I need to take care of that situation. But that was the most difficult moment, you know. Now, the Pink Sister Community. Tell me what that is. What is the Pink Sister community? That is a group of survivors of women um, that's dealing with breast cancer, whether you're there in treatment or recovery or breast cancer. We, we just like the police department. We are there for one another. When one hurt, we all hurt. You know, so it's a group of strong women that um, have, I'm not going to say all have accepted, but we're a bunch of strong women that just say, you know, we've all been affected by breast cancer, even though we might be in different stages. Mm -hmm. We all, we have one common denominator, and that is that we was diagnosed with breast cancer. Because even as pink sisters, we all don't go through the same thing. I can't tell another pink sister um, how it is to go through chemo, because I've never been through chemo. But we can't talk about being diagnosed with this deadly disease. How were you introduced? Like, what was your first interaction with this circle? <laughs> By being diagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> Did they, did they come to your hospital room? Did they call you once you got home after you first found out that you had it? No. How did you learn that there was this circle of support and encouragement that you could reach out to? Through my um, nurse navigator. Oh, okay. 
Um, they made sure I left the hospital with a lot of information, a lot of support groups, um, different organizations that I can go to and talk to um, to get resources and information. And then social media. Social media got so many groups of um, breast cancer survivors, yes. And so that's when I'm like, wow. You never take notice of something to actually happen. It's like, wow, it's a large community of, of pink sisters out there, yes. So they made sure I had what I needed just in case I need to be around other people that was going through the same thing that I'm going what through. What motivates you to keep going to encourage others? Because I want to see people live. I want to see people um, embrace their scars. I want to see people that even though they're going through what they're going through, not to think that this is it for them, but to continue to live their life. And I know when I tell my story, yesterday we did an event and I shared my story and just about like the whole room was in tears. And you know, and they came to me and told me how, how I blessed them. And so just to give somebody that ounce of hope, it's, it's, it's rewarding to me. It's rewarding to me to give another sister some hope. It's rewarding to me. I can only imagine. It is, it's so rewarding. That's why I have to keep going. Now that you've come through it, has your family, your, your daughters or your son, said anything about how they handled it or responded to it when you first told them you had breast cancer? Well, um, they never cried and they never um, said anything to make me feel, you know, really more devastated than I was. Um, but my boys, they never said anything. You know, hi mom, you know, he's okay because I believe you know, men process things differently. Um, my daughter told me that you know, she cried when she got to her job when her husband called her and she broke down and cried. And my, my youngest daughter that was home with me, she said she cried too, but most of the time she just say, mine, you're gonna get through this, you're gonna be all right. And so by them not breaking down, really gave me the strength that I needed because I didn't want to see them. I think it would have hurt me if they would have broke down. Now, the holidays are coming up. Yeah. How special are holidays in your family now as opposed to before you being diagnosed with breast cancer? It's more special. My first Christmas after um, my diagnosis, we had, everybody was at my daughter's house and that hadn't happened in a long time. All my family was there and it was, it was wonderful. I, you know, it was like a celebration of life because they knew I, I couldn't, I, I, I shouldn't have been here. I shouldn't have been there. So it was great to see all my family members come together. I don't know if that's going to happen this Christmas, <laughs> but the first Christmas and the first Thanksgiving, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. They're good now. You're here. Yeah, I'm here now. I'm good now. I'm cancer-free and I'm good. Wow. So you're two years cancer-free? Yes, I'm two years. All right now. I'm two oh, years. Right. Oh, right. Well, it's, it I'm, is good to meet you. Thank you. It's good to meet you. It's good to be here to, to share and, my story. And yes, and your your energy is so open and positive. It is. I Thank know you. that everywhere you go, you encourage, encourage people to do the right thing. Yes. To take care of themselves. Physically. Yes. Yes. I'm glad you had me to come right. to share my story. I don't know if I could have made that. <laughs> Health is very fragile. We must take the time to care for our physical bodies, as Melissa said, our temples, and not take it for granted. To learn more about Melissa, visit embracingourscars.net. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out thatanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.